Hey you, what's happening at work? What's keeping you up at night? What's causing you frustration or depleting your wellness at work? Talk to me and with me. This is Joyce Odinison, your host with the What's Happening at Work show, where we create solutions to work, live, and play well. Join me now for next episode. Hello, hello, and welcome. I am so excited that you're joining us today. Send us a message in the chat, chat with us. Tell us what are your triggers and how do they, how do you communicate them? What are they telling you? Join the conversation. This is Joyce Odinison here. And my guest today is Sylvia Mirusik. And Sylvia is going to be chatting with us about triggers, knowing your triggers. So help me welcome my guest, Sylvia. Welcome here and join us as we talk about triggers today. How are we going to address those triggers? Good morning. And we're going to be talking about triggers and what they are. So Sylvia, welcome here. And uh, please tell me a little bit about yourself and um, how did you learn about triggers? I will. Thank you, Joyce. And thank you so much for having me on the show and for addressing this really important topic because... I think one of the things that um, is probably the most, um, I'm going to say the, the factor that is most commonly associated with conflict in relationships is poor communication. And so one of the things that leads to that is triggers. And we're going to talk about that in a moment. But just a quick little uh, bit of background about me so you, you don't have to wonder if, I have, if I'm credible, if I really can speak to these things. I'm an occupational therapist and I have spent the last, um, so I've been in the industry for 30 something years and I've spent the last 20 something years uh, working as a professional speaker as well as providing on-site programming for for companies um, with respect to injury prevention, psychological health in the workplace, leadership training, that sort of stuff. But... My area of expertise as a professional and international speaker is dealing with stress, especially in the workplace. And so um, as a a stress management tool, I'm always looking for, or, or as a stress management method, I'm always looking for practical tools. Trained as an occupational therapist, I always want to give people something that is actionable, I call myself an activational speaker, not a motivational speaker, because my presentations and my workshops and my coaching and all of that is a call to action. You know, motivation or inspiration without action is actually maybe more like entertainment. If you're not taking action and there's no actionable items, no steps, then you've just been entertained for an hour. Not that I am dissing motivational speaking at all. I'm just saying that's where this that's where the idea of tools comes from in in my professional background. Excellent. Thank you for that overview, Sylvia, because I was going to ask you to introduce us. And uh, one of the things that occurred and prompted Sylvia, because I've known Sylvia in the community for many years in the work that she does as a keynote speaker and, and a practitioner, one of the things that uh, happened was she did an article for 
Faces of Workplace Wellness magazine, this uh, winter issue on triggers. And it was such a, a great article and the team really loved it. And so today we're going to pick up on that article and expand on the conversation around uh, triggers. And, and Sylvia had a great story about uh, triggers that we couldn't put it all in the magazine, but this is an opportunity to give you more information and really start talking about and creating awareness for you uh, as you view this, uh, for you as you you probably are going to look at this as a, as a, as a replay or you are going to join us live later on, you can look at the earlier part. Triggers are such an important uh, learning tool for personal and professional development. Sylvia, what are your thoughts around that? So, you know, it's it's really interesting. Like relationships are so fraught with conflict because we've, we're not the same, right? And you don't have to love the people you work with, but if you do not get along with them, Think about what the what your own state of health is. You know, Linda Duxbury does, you know, studies on the Canadian workforce. And, and one of the things that she uh, reported is that 74% of our waking hours are spent in activities related to work. Going to work, getting ready for work, planning for work, coming home from work, doing the work, talking about the work. Now, if that is your biggest stressor because you don't get along with your coworkers, just imagine the toll on your health. Right. You can say all you want. It's that person's fault. It's that person's fault. Doesn't matter. It's your health that's being affected. And probably the biggest reason that we have difficulty with our coworkers is because of communication. We make assumptions. They make assumptions. There's judgments. We don't have all the facts. When somebody says something that upsets us, instead of gently and respectfully confronting them, we swallow it and become resentful. So for me, understanding triggers is about building wall, pardon me, bridges in relationships instead of walls. And I'm going to give you an example. So my partner, David, when we were first dating, uh, called me early on in our relationship in a panic. I stopped to pick something up to bring for the dogs. And I'm so sorry. There's a lineup. I'm going to be late. You know, I, I could be five or 10 minutes late. I'm so sorry. And I could hear the anxiety in his voice. And I said to him, just get here when you get here. We, there's no appointment time. So. We're just going for a walk. So you just take a deep breath, relax, enjoy the people in line, you know, strike up a conversation, relax. It's all good. There's no fire. There's no rushing. I'll see you when you get here. That was a trigger for him. Being late yes. was a trigger for him because he'd been in trouble for it many times in his life. And so that reaction of mine helped him to let go of that trigger. So the next time he was late, instead of having an anxiety reaction, he just shot me a text and said, hey, I, you know, I ran into some traffic. I'll be a few minutes late. And I responded, just be safe. I'll be here when you get here. Again, that trigger is starting to settle. So in a relationship, you can see how that builds bridges. We recognize that somebody's triggered by something that has nothing to do with me, but I can help them. Now think about this in the workplace. And how often this happens. I'm going to give you an example. 
somebody talks really loudly in your workplace. And like me, you know, I was, I was raised in a household with a very abusive father. He was physically and verbally abusive, screaming, yelling, shouting. Loud voices is a trigger for me. Now, I can, I can decide that I don't know why I hate the, the person that talks so loud in the office or on the shop floor. I can decide I hate that guy or that girl. And I can build a wall between us because I hate that person. Mm-hmm. I don't even know why because I haven't really tuned in. Or I can take a moment and say, okay, Sylvia, why are you reacting like this? Why are you so angry with that person that talks loud? Maybe mm-hmm. they're deaf. Maybe they're partially deaf. Maybe they're partially hearing impaired. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But if I don't take a moment to tune in to why I am so triggered by that, And by triggered, I mean you have a negative reaction that seems either out of proportion or actually not really connected to the event or person. So it's kind of a head scratcher. Why am I reacting like this? Yeah. Tune into that and recognize where it's coming from. And then if you have the courage, you can say to that person, it's so hard for me to stay calm in the office when you use a loud voice. And I'm so, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to calm myself down, but I just need to let you know that I'm wondering if you could speak just a little more quietly. And if that person says, Hey, you know what? I'm hearing impaired. I don't actually know how loud I'm speaking. Then you can ask them to maybe take those conversations a little bit away from where you sit. But if you don't know what your triggers are, you cannot figure out what unresolved trauma is getting the switch flipped when somebody does a certain behavior. And if you don't understand that, there's going to be a division between you and that person, if that makes sense. Makes perfect sense, Sylvia. And we see that a lot. And, and, you know, the work that I do as a conflict analyst and trainer, we see a lot of people end up with conflict and they're not talking and they're upset and they don't even know what started it. Often I go into conflicts that are really um, protracted and I'm asking, when did this start? So what? I just don't know. I just hate that person. And we don't take the time to do a little bit of our own assessment, self-assessment to say, I wonder why this person is bugging me so much. And it's funny because people make compl- people make comments about someone reminding me of my mother-in-law or someone reminding me of my mom or someone reminding me of my dad. And they don't take it the, the next step to recognize there may have been some trauma yeah. or something buried that we haven't addressed. In right. relation to that relation to, to that past relationship, and it's that transference that's occurring where we are now feeling those negative emotions directed to the person in front of us. But there is a historical aspect to that, yes. and we need to do our work. And that self awareness allows us to say, "Why does this bother me so much?" Yes. You know, I think that's the challenge. Most people don't. Most people are not able to pause or to do self-reflection to ask, how am I responsible? How am I participating? What is my role in this? Or why am I seeing this? 
from these lenses. And I think that's the key. So thoughts on that? Well, I think you're absolutely right, Joyce. And, and think about it this way. You know, you come into work and you get triggered by somebody and you just decide you don't like them and that you're resentful and, and, and you hate them and you just don't have any communication with them. You just avoid them and you go on your merry way and you think that's a great solution. You know what? That solution is actually like having small drops of poison dropped into an IV that is going into your arm that you don't even feel or experience. And what happens to you and why this is so important, Joyce, for you to take a moment of self-reflection and say, what is going on for me right now? And why is this bothering me? That other person, their nervous system is settled. They're not producing stress hormones. They might not really worry too much if you don't talk to them. But for you, what happens for you is that your nervous system stays in a constant low-level state of fight or flight. Protection. Because that person, you've allowed them, and I say this with love and respect, I've been there, you've allowed them to continue to trigger that fight or flight response, that negative reaction. Instead of having the courage to sit with it for a moment and go deal with it. Right? What we do is we say, it's that person's fault. I'm not talking to them. I don't want to have anything to do with them. Don't make me work with that person. And you don't realize that all of that negative energy stays in you. Our issues live in our tissues. If we don't move that negative energy out and stop triggering it, stop allowing it to be triggered, we are the ones that suffer, not them. So getting along at work actually becomes a personal health choice that is absolutely so important. It's the same thing as getting along in a family. It's a personal health choice. Otherwise, you have a chronic and constant source of stress that runs below surface, like the operating system of your computer. Mm -hmm. You don't know that anything's wrong until it shuts down. And then you go, oh, I didn't know there was a problem. Well, that's, that could be you with a health crisis. Absolutely. And you're very correct because one of the things that I was seeing in my work with employees, and this is actually what got me into the whole realm of interpersonal wellness, because they were showing up with high conflict, but they had diabetes, they had hypertension, uh, some of them were having angina, client had a heart attack in my office. We were seeing all kinds of things happening because strokes, some clients were having stroke. These were people in their 30s and 40s who have a stroke. Stroke is not something you should be having in your 30s and 40s. No. No. Right? And it's the ongoing stress. Mm-hmm. And part of it, what I've noticed, Sylvia, over the years is that most people are struggling with communicating what they're experiencing and that this month we're working and teaching responsible communication and this is a great opportunity to recognize the importance of being able to communicate responsibly to not do harm and the whole essence of responsible communication is to communicate to not do harm ensuring that if we say something that's upsetting we take the time to explain and to correct and to apologize and we plan not to do harm 
to ourselves also by self-compassion knowing that when i don't deal with these stressful situations i am causing harm in my tissues like you said yes I am causing harm my cells the new cells of my body is going to generate every day is going to be stamped with these interactions these these stress and these ugly feelings and thoughts that i'm having about the other person that's what i'm feeding my mind and feeding my tissues and that i think is a challenge for people and i think we should talk a little bit about some proper ways to communicate those feelings without blaming the other person attacking or making it out to be their fault a hundred percent joyce and when we look at the three universal triggers of stress lack of control lack of clarity or certainty, lack of information, it's also up to us to mitigate those stresses for ourselves, right? And that's such an easy framework for you to go into any communication with. If you have a reaction to something that someone says that should just on the surface be a a fairly neutral, not loaded comment, question, request, and you find yourself having an overreaction or you hear someone say to you, whoa, you're overreacting to this, take a breath. Try not to get defensive and just take a breath and ask yourself, am I feeling like I don't have enough control over this request or this comment? Am I feeling like I don't have enough information? Or am I feeling like I don't have enough uh, certainty or clarity about this? And then ask for that. You know, your boss hands you something and says, I want this done. My daughter just started a new job. And she had to do a task that she'd never done before. And she said it was really stressful. And I said, what was the part about that that made you feel so stressed? And she was able to identify it right away because she knows the framework. Lack of information. So when you are in that situation, instead, she didn't ask because she didn't want to, it's a new job. She didn't want to appear foolish, right? Put your pride aside. Figure out which trigger, which universal trigger of stress has tripped your stress response and ask for that information. And then in, in terms of communicating with other people, you know, in a respectful workplace, we want people to feel happy and safe at work. Because if we don't, think about your own personal health. Just a small example. The person who is stressed out, their frontal lobe does not work properly. Okay? So when we see chronically stressed brains, what we see is the frontal lobe actually shrinks. Literally. It changes your brain. And the primitive brain actually grows larger. Now, the primitive brain is designed to be on alert for a safety risk or or a survival risk. Mm-hmm. That part of the brain gets bigger. So guess what? It gets turned on constantly. The smallest thing makes us feel like we're stressed out and got to fight for our life. Well, that's not really, we don't really live with daily or moment by moment physical threats to our actual life. Your boss asking you to come to his office or her office, they probably do not mean physical harm to you, right? But our fight or flight response gets triggered 
especially when we live with constant stress and our frontal lobe is being affected. The frontal lobe keeps us safe, identifies safety hazards, troubleshoots, organizes, seeks connection to solve problems. If that part of the brain's not working and your colleagues are, are triggered at work by something that you're doing, you're actually creating the potential for harm to yourself. Because if they're not safe and you're working in a production facility with them, you might not be safe. Exactly. So we, it's so important for us to use these triggers or these universal triggers, right? There are others as well, but lack of information, lack of clarity or certainty and lack of control. It is so important to, for us to ask for what we need, but also provide that so that the people around us are not in the stress response because I didn't give them enough information. And you can take all that stuff home with you and apply these concepts at home too. Absolutely. We want to build bridges at home too. It's so important. You know, it's funny because you talk about your partner because all of us go back to families. And I always say people take more than the paperclip home. So oh. it's very important for us to share. I mean, so many times they ask me and I'll have my leaders say to me, Joyce, I know you're teaching this to us to work with our employees, but I've been trying it with my teenage son. So I've been, you know, practicing it with my kids. And I'm like, those are yes. principles for life. And yes. they apply to work too. So this is not just for work, it's for our work and life. And that's why wellness is so interconnected and integrated because you can't be well at work and unwell at home. You've got to right. be well to show up well at work and show up well at home. And I think that's the great part of it. I think sometimes though, Sylvia, they struggle. Uh, you know, clients tell me, Joyce, I really struggle. How can you, I can't say it quite like you. How do I get my feelings across? How yeah. do you know what to say? Yeah. I, so let's talk a little bit about that because we know we're not feeling good about something. We know that we're something is bugging us or we're being triggered and we don't have the words. We're not able to communicate it. And that's the struggle that many people tell me that they have. So let's talk a little bit about what can they say and how can they say it? Yeah, that's, you know what, Joyce, that is so tough because there's a precursor to communication skills. Like it's like hockey, in order to play hockey, you have to have a skill set that that pre precedes that, and that is you have to be able to skate. Yes. Right? Yes. It's the same thing with communication. There's a skill set that precedes the ability to learn communication skills, and that is courage. Yes. If you don't have courage, if you are not willing to put yourself out there and be vulnerable, you're not going to you're not going to even be able to pick up the communication skills that you need cuz you'll hear it all like i remember doing i'm i used to be one of the most passive people on the planet like really? i had doormat <laughs> tattooed on my forehead i could not do assertiveness training because it just like i listened to the words and it just was like in one ear out the other cuz i never had the courage to, to make an I feel statement. It's like, mm -hmm. I, what is the point of learning this? I'm never going to use this. Obviously, I've, I've 
<laughs> I'm 57, going to be 57. I finally learned it, right? But so we have to, we have to be brave. And in order to be brave, we have to feel safe, right? So one of the things I, lo I love to share in workplaces is Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? We need to feel safe. Safety and security is, uh, is the second need from the bottom. The first one is food, shelter, clothing, rest. Mm -hmm. And the third need is love and belonging. And in a workplace, we actually have to provide for those needs because when people's needs are not met, they are in the stress response. Yes. If you cannot meet people's basic needs, they are stressed. And that's how they show up to work. And then we see increased absenteeism, increased presenteeism, increased accidents and incidents, and all the rest of it. Increased use of health benefits and so on. So getting back to finding the words to communicate, it's never wrong to say, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to express myself. If I had a nickel for every coaching client I have heard that from, and then with love and trust and creating a safe environment, I just ask questions. So tell me where you're feeling it. Let's start with where are you feeling it in your body? Well, if you're feeling it in your, in your gut, could it be that you're feeling anxious? Could it be that you're feeling scared? The other person, if they care, might be able to help lead you to finding the words. But saying nothing is actually worse because it makes, you know, I said this to one of my managers once. I said, when you don't tell us what you're doing, we make it up. It's that simple. I'm just giving you a heads up. People think you're doing nothing because we don't know. So we make stuff up, not me, Absolutely. but the team, right? Absolutely. So start where you're at. Start with, I don't know why I'm so upset about this but I'm really upset and I, I can't even express it. And I feel like I maybe need some information, some more control or a little more certainty or clarity about this. Start with the words that we just gave you, right? Mm -hmm. What those triggers are. Well, hello there. This has been an amazing conversation. And I am so excited that you've joined me here for part one. Part two is coming up. Stay tuned for part two of this conversation. And don't forget to leave me a voice message or feedback. Let me know how this is resonating with you and what other topics you would like us to cover. Looking forward to uh, sharing part two with you on now.